Hello and welcome to the Wolf Den Podcast, your home for competitive Digimon, TCG, discussion, and news. I'm your host, Nako, joined by my co-host, Sanitsu. This week, we will be discussing the EX3 tournament environment and our expectations leading up to the first event of EX3, the PPG Ultimate Cup. Listen to us on your favorite podcast networks. We are available on many platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. Link in the description below, or find us at Wolf Den Digimon TCG. We also are on uh, twitch.tv slash Zenitsu streaming this live, and on top of that, uh, I also post it in video form on the YouTube channel of Zenitsu. So feel free to join us there, and uh, make sure to comment, like, and subscribe on those platforms as well. For our viewer question of the week, this week's question is, is Cross Hearts still worth playing? I just picked up the deck prior to the restriction, and everyone has told me the deck is dead. Uh, well, considering the core TCG event just happened and there was a Cross Hearts in top 8, I think it is still somewhat worth playing, at least in EX3 capacity. I don't think it's going to be as strong or as prevalent. Uh, it just seems like it's probably going to end up going back to being like an overglorified rookie rush, but I definitely think it is kind of worth playing. Uh, just don't expect it to be like the boogeyman of the format or anything. Yeah, I, the deck obviously got a lot worse with its major removal piece being restricted in the form of Sunrise Buster and its major win condition being removed uh, in the form of Cross 4. So the deck doesn't have as much oomph as much as it used to have. It's not nearly as scary, but it still is a recursive rookie rush. Like basically, you just you play a tamer that plays a Digimon, swing with the Digimon, you tuck it under the tamer, and at least, you know, not via Cross 4 anymore. Um, you're, you're kind of in the waiting room for BT11 now as far as more options to do with those save Digimon. But uh, you still have Cross 5 as a means of pulling them back out and using them for future value. Unlike, you know, Rookie Rush of old where you swing, you tripped a security, and then you threw it in the trash. And you were completely fine with that trade. Uh, I mean, you also still have, uh, at least for the time being... Uh, Shoutmon King version, which could recur either himself or the um, Shout Cross 4, or even Shout Cross 5. It's it's just something to do, but yeah, for the most part, you're just swinging, watching your stuff die, get under your tamer, and then when you find a Digicross, then you just use it because you can. Uh, and the crazy thing is Shout 5 is actually free if you use all of the pieces, uh, obviously it doesn't like reset anything so you are just stuck with the shout five but like if you already did a lot of chip damage with your rookies before uh, or your save material before then you just really don't care um, and then you do have some like cute little combo plays with shout uh, with king shout as well so you could be like okay king shout digicross with shoutmon grab back whatever swing uh, tap tie and kari now he's basically a 6k swinging into the opponent's security if he lives cool let's just uh digicross into something else uh and just continue the pressure so there's there's still stuff the deck can do um but yeah it just loses its big oomph win and oomph removal i mean you're still gonna obviously play death axe it gives you space to run crimson blaze um so it's not dead in the water just weaker which is what they wanted yeah so um think that pretty wholly answers that 
Um, we do have sub results to go over. Um, doesn't mean a whole lot for the future, but it at least gives us a litmus of what people are thinking about and playing right now. I know, Zenitsu, you have that pulled up in front of you. Uh, yes. So I participated in the core TCG November Ultimate Cup. This was on launch day or like launch weekend of EX3. So they decided instead of literally having everyone send in their deck lists at midnight because, you know, it launched that weekend, um, if they could even get their decks in order, uh, they were just like, okay, it's just going to be BT10 with the new restrictions in place. Um, so as far as me personally, I got into 60th place, just barely managed to squeeze into top 64. Um, I went three losses, six wins with Metal Guru X. And uh, according to the results, that was actually a good deck to take. So going over the actual top 16, uh, first and second place, Metal Guru X. Third place, Grandis. Fourth place, Metal Guru X. Fifth place, Wargrey X. Sixth place, Metal Guru X. Seventh place, Crosshearts. Eighth place, Mastimon. Ninth place, Blue Flare. Tenth place, Metal Guru X. Eleventh place, Mastimon again. Twelfth place, Jessmon. Thirteenth through sixteenth, or thirteenth place is Wargrey X, and then fourteenth through sixteenth were all Metal Guru X. So as far as the spread of decks, uh, eight of the top sixteen decks were Metal Guru X. We had two Wargreymons, two Mastimons, one Grandis, one Crosshearts, one Blue Flare, one Jess. So. That's just a lot of Metal Crew X. I mean, I don't think that's a huge surprise, only because if you look at what BT10 offered, and then you take Cross Arts away, what are you really left with? It's like literally Jessmon and Blue Flares is like the only real prominent decks left. Um, like, Bloomlord is still playable, it's just without Hydramon. To act as like the actual backbone. It's just like you're all gas and no substance. And I don't think your gas is better than any of the OTK decks. Yeah, and I know Jessmon, when set up properly, decidedly contests the board. But it's just getting there against metal that's the problem. Because you just, you can be so quick with it that they really just don't even have any position to get set up and really start doing anything before the game's pretty much over. Uh, my Jessmon matches went, like, at most, they would be lucky to get two sister mons out, and then I bounce one of them and ignore the other. So, like, I just never really felt afraid of the matchup. I know they can't attack into my Garurumon at all, because I just have protection against battle. So, it's not like swinging into my Guru is doing them any good, and that's, like, half of the new stuff's game plan, is to actually swing into the stuff, uh, into your opponent's Digimon. So I was, just, like, it It wasn't free by any stretch of the word. They were still dealing some really good damage. It's just I wasn't afraid of anything that they were doing because I knew I could just raise and then just clean shop. Yeah. Um... And I think that's just the gold standard as far as EX3 is concerned. Uh, we'll have EX3 for a while, EX3 with restrictions, so this is like the new normal. Um, and just kind of looking at the overall um, 
I know you and I already talked about it, but just like for our audience's uh, awareness that uh, one of the ideas that I had for these was just to provide a platform for us to speak uh, on topics that we are going to talk about between each other, between our you know competitive teammates, and uh, provide people that may not have that or pay um, either that friend group or that insight necessarily to have the ability to just kind of listen in on what our conversation would be as far as how do we prepare for an event, what are we thinking is going to be good, why do we think it's going to be good, and just have some of those like higher level conversations. Higher level just meaning that like I'm assuming that you're bringing this deck because you think it's the most competitive and not because you think it's cute. I really want to try my Holy Dragons deck. I think that deck is so cute. It is adorable. Um, but, um, so that that's really just the goal of this, as far as, is like, both of us are playing in the PPG on the 19th, so... Uh, I'm, I'm not. I actually oh. have work that weekend. I lied. I thought we were. But I am. Uh, I'm, play I'm playing in Top Cut the weekend after, though. We're both so playing in I will... A and Ultimate Cup. Yes, we're playing in an Ultimate Cup in the EX3 environment. I'm going to be paying so close attention to that data to give so me a legs up. I don't have any format. I don't have any data to go off of at all for this. And that's also, I think, why this point in time is slightly the most relevant for this to happen. Only because you really can't use Japanese data at all. Not only is it like misleading at best, but it's almost wholly irrelevant now that cross hearts is removed and the biggest thing we were discussing was that while cross hearts exists as a deck it is not the competitive meta presence that it was in the japanese format and as a result things that were good aren't necessarily as good i mean cross hearts being the biggest example and things that um were good might not necessarily be that good i don't know, i think i just said something twice but like, the entire environment changes around it because some things that might have had just a bad Crosshearts matchup, but otherwise had good matchups or were good decks, uh, are, were put down because you basically only saw Crosshearts. So it didn't matter if you had a great Bloom Hydra matchup because you'd never see it because uh, Crosshearts was out there slaughtering all the Bloom Hydra players and knocking them down to 0 and 2. So now when we exist where you could reasonably see a Bloom Hydra, at you know three and zero in a tournament, then you know the format changes. So, um, I know what I would play if I could just one hundred percent take a deck, but I don't have a hundred percent of the pieces I wish I had right now. So, I'm still trying to workshop exactly what I'll be playing, and this is where the ability for me to go to my teammates, you know, most notably Zenitsu at this point, and just discuss what we think is going to be good and why and use that to best prepare ourselves for the event ahead so as far as like some of the big differences before we get into that uh just fyi in their uh environment they also had alphamon unrestricted and we have alphamon that's obviously true. restricted um so like that again also continues to change the landscape. Is there's there's just too many differences to really use Japanese data as anything than just hey these decks were represented. Mm -hmm. um, 
that that's about all we could get. Uh, but I think that um, going into EX3, thinking about the all of the decks that are playable that we have left, uh, I'm still, and given the results that we just saw, I'm still in the camp that Gururumon is one of the best decks to take into EX3. Mm. The only matchup I'm like half-heartedly scared about is Examon and Bloom Hydra. And it's more of the Hydramon part that I'm scared of if I don't see if, like, they're playing Blue Hydra and they don't have Hydramon. I'm not afraid at all. Um, but Examon can be scary if Examon is set up. So Gurumon really just has to try to go as fast and hit as hard as it possibly can. Um, I'm not entirely sure if they're going to think about making a more of a pivot to using their level 6s more. Most of the time the deck just revolved around good damage with the level 5 and then the level 6 was just cleanup. Um, but with the new Omnimon X antibody and just the difference in the landscape, uh, maybe they might make that shift to try to use X antibody more. I'm talking about like the BT10 X antibody because just trashing the security and then like looking at the opponent's security, trashing it, and then the attack still goes through can just win games on its own. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the reasons I initially had gravitated towards yellow originally as a color is because as a you know former control player from magic information is the name of the game to me in card games and just being able to absorb retain and utilize information in ways that my opponent doesn't necessarily need to care about or doesn't necessarily know he should care about and win games off those margins was always something i found enjoyable because it was you know different ways of expression of skill and the easiest uh, point I had from that was just the standard yellow TK Tamer, which once you look at your own security, at least, you know, until you recover, you know, either from himself or additionally, you know, in other decks that ran recovery, just the knowledge of your own security was invaluable. I know, like, without, you know, telegraphing it, that I don't need to be afraid of potentially the first metal, you know, if we exist in a format where yellow hybrid still exists, but um like the first the first wear that comes out is going to get sunrise bustered and I don't care and I can I can completely alter my game plan knowing that I have like a bomb up there. Maybe it's not the top bomb because I shuffle the security, but just knowing or knowing I have nothing up there, knowing it's just a bunch of rookies and I'm like I have to play differently. So that knowledge offensively is even more so relevant. I now know if my opponent has any relevant security threats, and then if they do, get rid of the most relevant one. Yeah, it's it's just super good, and that's kind of also why we saw a small uh, surge in War Greymon X, at least in the uh, last uh, BT10 Ultimate Cup from Core. Um, was the fact that they were using Omnimon X to basically act as that finisher because the deck doesn't necessarily have that much damage. It's not really an OTK deck, but it does now have that capability to use Omnimon to close out the game. So you use um, the Wargray to try to make sure that your Wargray X can hit as hard as it can, gain the memory back, go into a Blitz Omni to unsuspend and get an extra attack and to basically use X antibody to go into X. Uh, mm -hmm. to 
close out games that way. A lot of when attacking uh, and, digivolving going on in that deck. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> a lot of when attack digivolve, a lot of triggers and a lot of damage happening all at once. Um, and I think that just contributed to War Greymon's success. And I think um, while Gaiomon is really good, without the existence of Crosshearts, I think it's not as good. Uh, it does have its good matchups. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I just think like it's it's uh, significantly worse because we're not super reliant on tamers right now, mm. um, and that's what's making like Death X. While it's a big infamous card, and there's still a lot of go wide decks, um, it's part of the reason why it. I mean, it's not going down in price, but just <laughs> losing a tiny, tiny bit of relevancy. Don't get me wrong; it's still going to be a highly played card. Um, but if where grew is the best deck and grandis is one of the other best decks because i still think these otk decks are still pretty good then that just puts those types of cards into a position where they're less effective hmm. uh but as far as the big new deck out of ex3 uh Exmon, mm -hmm. uh do you think it's overhyped uh do you think it's as good as it is like seems it's it's a tough call because as the deck I'm most experienced with right now for EX3, I I see the deck's strengths. I really enjoy its control elements and how it introduces, you know, you know, new mechanics to the card game, how it really pushes the boundaries of what can be printed on a card as far as um there's actually a lot of nuance. Um a lot of the way that the order of operations function in this game can be learned by just playing with or against an Examon, because um, something I haven't had to do specifically yet, because I haven't played into it yet, is um, the Examon into Bloom Hydra interactions and some of the, like, basically technicalities involved of I, you know, suspend my Examon to force you to attack with one of your Digimon, which then you attack, which allows you to tap, which allows me to untap, and there's just a lot of order of operations going on there, and timing windows where you can't suspend me because I'm not yet unsuspended, because well, I, can't I can't unsuspend until your effect completely resolves, because... That's against ninety nine percent of decks, and you know, I, I mean, I've I've covered some edge case scenarios where it's become an issue. But as most players, you know, will either visually or verbally represent the card, I tap, untap, you know, goad. But that's technically not what's happening because I'm still tapped. You're goaded. Then I untap after you you I cannot tap until you declare a target of attacking. And there's a lot of stuff going on there. But um, I like that it's getting more complicated. I like that it's getting more interesting. Um, they're finding ways to print cards that allow interaction in that capacity. Um, the entire uh, evade mechanic and instances where I've um, dealt with, you know, so uh, example, like Sanitsu uh, mentioned, another unfortunate loser of this, you know, balance of power change is that Jessmon attacking into my unsuspended Examon allows me to suspend it to prevent its own deletion because I just can use evade if it's untapped 
even just like if decks are running hard removal, you could just be like, tap. Well, yeah, because the and then it. I mean, I also haven't had a whole lot of use out of it, but the deck does have a theoretical line of play that is just the most outwardly aggressive, as far as if I get out a an Examon tucking a Breakdramon, yeah, that's four attacks in one turn. Assuming I have a Raising, which why would I? But if I had a Raising, then, you know, that's one, two, three, four, potentially five attacks with Raising with, hy with Hybrid Lethal. Like, yeah, that's... so, like, it's it seems like the deck just wants you to uh, chip during the opponent's turn and then just line up a big offensive push when you feel like you want to or need to. Mm-hmm. It is very much a defensive reactive deck with some offensive capabilities, but as as any deck that can do big and grandiose power plays, uh, like Jessmon wouldn't understand that the deck's faults in getting there. Uh, like the metal matchup, the metal X matchup, I think is not great for Examon, and they just kind of end the game before you have an Examon out for the most part, and then even so, they have ways via new tech cards in the form of, you know, the Omni-X that was just mentioned, to get around Examon. Or just some of their bounce effects in general. Um, and the fact that the protection from basically battle just makes your goading kind of... It, it makes it worse. Like, it happens, and then I'm just like, okay, my Digimon's there, you just forcibly got rid of my sources, thanks. I would have rather not, but it happened anyway. And then you just can't do anything with your Examon for the rest of that turn. So it's like, whatever. I'll just continue. Mm. Uh, but I think, like, against decks like Grandis, Examon is actually, like, really freaking good. Because they they can't do their thing. Like, you literally, with the GOAT ability, just turn off their ability to do their big power play. Mm. And I think, like, because of that and the fact that we still have some OTK decks like that... Um, he still has a place for the meta, um, and I still think he's definitely a good deck. I just don't know how good of a deck he's going to be or what that landscape is going to exactly look like. I think, you know, maybe it's just, you know, what I gravitate towards anyway, but um, Examon just kind of ends up, I think, in that same gatekeeper territory that uh, D Reaper previously occupied, where it doesn't necessarily do great into, like, the big three, but it basically makes it so that anything that's remotely competitive first has to ask the question, well, can you beat Examon? If not, then don't bother, because the only decks that are competing right now can. Yeah. I mean, what do you think are the big three? Like, obviously, Gururuban is definitely still going to be super powerful and super prevalent. I uh, think, but I can't really like. I want to say Bloom Hydra has to be up there. Bloom Hydra has to be in the running. Just because I haven't played against it yet doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Um, the Hydramon, yeah, like you said, adds a defensive element to the deck that it sorely lacked in BT10. So I almost don't even consider the deck complete until EX3, which is pretty much not the case for any other BT10 or BT9 deck where they gained. Otherwise, if they're not a wholly new deck for EX3, then they gain relatively little. Um, and so you have Hydramon as a major component of the deck, as well as um, 
Entmon, I think, is still played. The Digisorption, new Digisorption level 5. Um, He's pretty good. He's, like, hit and miss as far as, like, I think, more relevant, though. Pomamon is definitely relevant. Well, yeah, so Pomamon is also, like, specifically Pomamon is what I was talking about with reference to Examon. Because they can't oh, sus- yeah. they can't suspend Examon with Pomamon because he's technically not unsuspended yet when he gets suspended because of Examon. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Pomamon's still a great card. Still very useful. I mean, we haven't necessarily had a specific card that benefits from suspending itself on top of the fact that you're already gaining some inherent benefit from suspending it. On top of the fact that it's also a vegetation to go yep. along with it. It's completely on brand. Um, So... That Parastaramon deck... is good, but like he's yeah. not on brand, so yep. uh, it's he's kind of hit and miss for the deck as well. I think the deck just benefits more with Sunfloor. Uh, you one hundred percent still run that. Well, yeah, it's, I just it's just you like, have some extra it. space. Yeah, like you have some extra space to work with, but like I don't think uh, Parasaramon is like where it goes precisely. So that deck just really does have like a pretty tight core of it has enough on brand cards. It has enough ways to go wide it has some benefits of going wide and now it has a means of preventing your opponent from ending the game while they're going wide so um i don't know if it's the second best deck necessarily but it's it's up there um and i mean i really have to just think here because i don't want to forget about something and then have to like bring it back later but um because it's, it's either Blue Flare or Grandis that's the third best deck, or at least in contention for the third best deck. But I'm not 100% sure which it would be. I want to say Grandis, but at the same time... If Examon's a thing, I think Blue Flare if does Examon, a little bit better into that. Yeah. Plus Blue Flare also does better into Grandis, so it might be Blue Flare. But also Jessmon was is still a popular deck. Yeah. Uh, that spell's pretty good. I think Jessamon actually just doesn't have a favorable enough matchup against enough opponents. You know what I mean? Like, it it always has these power plays, and it always has these big turns, but I feel like every matchup, it just doesn't have a whole amount of retainability in its power. It has certain turns that are really good, and certain turns that are okay. Yeah, I think where the deck struggles is mostly in those early turns which right now because of Garurumon is like the most, most of the crucial game. turns yeah yeah like i think blue flare's biggest problem has nothing to do with the deck itself and honestly nothing to do with the competitive environment other than if the best deck is metal Garurumon, why are you playing the the, the the second best blue deck well it's not just the fact that it's a blue deck it's just if yeah. Garurumon, a single-stack deck, is the best deck in the format, why are you taking a deck that does absolutely terrible into single-stack decks? Mm. Yeah, like, you're just playing the, the blue deck that loses to the better blue deck. Like, you have... I think it has a good spread across a lot of the other matchups. It's just against your known or supposedly known best matchup as of right now. Uh, it it's not very good. I think Blue Flares is one of those losers because people were people basically swapped from uh Garuru to Blue Flare because of Crosshearts and because of the 
more defensive reactive nature of those decks and they just don't have the time that they have before because if Garuru's running around and isn't afraid of people's securities because they're not running enough security threats to be afraid of exactly and now blue flares doesn't have that grace period offered by the rest of the meta slowing down to tackle cross hearts in a more efficient manner yeah because also if your start is just bad with blue flares giving a lot of memory especially early on is pretty much a death sentence you are just accelerating them just because you're bricking and there's no real way to not do that just because it's like oh i don't see a rookie um and you're not digivolving into your level fours very often you're hard playing them and all of them cost four to five uh even blazing memory boost still costs four to five so that means it's an easy turn one level five for the uh Garurumon deck mm. and it is a little unfortunate like it didn't affect the deck whole lot but decks were running one to two tommy sometimes a lot of blue flares especially before they got their additional packages with uh bt11 were kind of half blue hybrid half blue flare because i mean ideally they the decks kind of want to do the same thing so that's uh, kind of what sorai is taking up the yeah. space for it's not super amazing because if you just digivolve on top of the digimon they could still attack mm -hmm. um so it's like a hexablaumon in option form which is like both good and bad at the same time mm. so it's it's just sometimes just not efficient enough depending on the matchup in the deck and I think, like, that's just the big problem with Blue Flares. Like, not saying it's a bad deck because of that. Um, like, it's still one of the better decks to take, I think, in the EX3 environment. It's just, looking at how Metal Guru plays, I think the format just is going to be warping around Metal Guru because it is, it was one of the best decks going into BT10. Or, yeah, yeah BT10. coming out of BT9, going into BT10. And then literally nothing has changed for the deck it's matchups the only thing that's really afraid is hydromon if it sees it like Examon's mm -hmm. not really that big of a deal and then all of the other ex uh decks aren't a very big threat either uh i would think like maybe commandermon might be okay coming out of um ex3 but i think still against garurumon it's just not that great of a matchup i just bounce all the low level digimon and still do mm. all my attacks and if anything your security is slightly worse option wise because now you add in this new evolution line that was options before yeah you could technically like i, I don't know exactly what ratios people are running of the newer stuff but you could technically run basically the same ratios you ran in the past except minus a couple cards um maybe making room for um just seals german and like one to two tank german because if you play the old Dark Dramon, you don't necessarily need to Digivolve up into the 6 anyway. You're just slamming it. And... I mean, but you it's a free level 6 most of the time. That also is going to remove bodies. Like, it's just so good. I mean, not if you are concerned about getting there before you lose the game. Oh, uh, that's true. Because, I mean, there's an argument to be made that you could just run the exact same old list no new seals german no new tank german just add in the new command german that is decoy 
I don't think that card is just good enough as is wholesale. Like, I wouldn't just splash that. I think that's easily one of the worst Commandramons, to be honest. But, like, it's still not that bad. I love the decoy mechanic on low-level Digimons specifically. So the fact that they gave a level 3 decoy is just, at least for this deck specifically, just really, uh, really seemed like a good move. Um... Yeah, it's still it's still really tough because we we literally have nothing to go off of other than prior data and just our idea of what people are gonna play and a rougher idea of how well those decks do against each other. Um but with at least the new cards just looking at what people may bring as a result, I do think there's a world where people try and make a yellow deck work. I know. Didn't you play against one in the core? Uh, played and lost to yellow hybrids, but I only lost because not because of any of my plays, uh, but because of well, okay, there was one misplay that I did. I didn't understand how Venusmon worked specifically. Oh yeah, never um, mind. I'm sorry. I actually so there, straight up forgot that. about that. I'm sorry for calling you out like that. <laughs> oh no, it, it's my bad. I I thought that the pluses and the minuses canceled each other out. because uh, I'm thinking program wise, like mm -hmm. oh, if a a positive and a negative see each other, they just net zero. Yeah, uh, and that didn't happen. But uh, I, I lost the round uh, because I didn't find a level four to be able to kill them because I had lethal position mm -hmm. on the third game. I just needed to see my level four and I didn't. Um, I'm just kind of like expanding the scope of like things that I should at least be moderately prepared for. At least uh, as security far security control always. Yeah. Like, always be prepared for security control as much as a lot of people hate that deck. A lot of people, for whatever reason, love playing that deck, and that deck will just never go away as long as options that it can use just get better and better, uh, and there's no real hard counter to just actually kill the deck outright. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that deck is the winning deck to take. Um, usually, if your opponent is a good player, they should already know how to play around security control, and once they already have that understanding, it's like, okay, whatever, your security so control... I know how to beat you. If anything, like, giving the deck the, the weight that at least it deserves, even if I don't like it as a concept or the people that play them, um, the it's a deck that does better in earlier formats because um, I've, I've played into it recently, and I think I could beat it now, but I did lose to it at the time. So it's one of those things where I'm, I was inexperienced in the specific matchup, and I lost. But... You know, well, if that's I if they only need to do that in the first tournament, then that's fine. I mean, I also think that just its matchups in general are getting worse and worse. Like, you look at something like Blue Flare, and it's just like, how often do you think Security Control would be able to beat a Blue Flare deck? Yeah, but who's playing like, Blue Flare? That's the point. Like, that's that's uh, all they're banking think... on. They just need to bank on seeing only, like, Metal Xs and Commandermons. I They still lose to those, too. <laughs> I know. I mean, it like I I don't think they have like a hundred percent like a hard winning matchup anymore. Um, they never really did. If you like stop and think about it, it's just like they, if they, you are, they still they show up though. That's what I mean. Like, they, I know. So, it is something to be aware of. Something to be prepared for. Um, the current iteration is basically just 
the yellow purple Mastamon shell without any of the Mastamon specific cards. It's just yellow purple. It's um, just your yellow purple tamers. Like tax control. Like I, I think I remember seeing it on Reddit. Like at one point, someone's like, "Hey, I, I made a yellow purple tax control deck." They're like, "Nah, man, that's just Setcon with extra steps." Like, cause that's all it is. Is it's you run Kari to tax them. I mean, I mean in that um. The store championship I won when I beat the security control. I was allowed one attack per turn because I didn't have a memory tamer. They would put me at one memory. I would attack. They would tap two Kari, gaining two memory and ending my turn every single time. So, tax control. And I obviously, like I've been saying, if you know how to play against it and certain decks just are better into it than others, uh, I don't think it's that bad of, like, a matchup per se uh depending on the deck like it's it's still going to be a deck that you should be thinking about just because people are going to be playing it just like commandermon like all of the new commandermon tools is going to really excite commandermon players and there's a decent chunk of those considering how prevalent it was in bt9 at least for us compared to japan it had like a small resurgence at the end of their bt9 in japan now uh, but i'm i i i I feel like I'm reaching, but I also don't really think I am reaching. I think we just genuinely kind of forgot about it a little bit. Um, that what? How much good Machine Germon is? No, not not Machine Germon at all. Honestly, I, I'm just scrolling through cards and looking. Um, the armor deck with GX isn't bad. It's like, not... armor rush with G like because it just wasn't represented at all in the last couple of events. So I forgot about it. But it popped up <laughs> twice. It won one event with BT10 limitation, or without BT, without the new limitations. Mm -hmm. um, and then it uh, popped up again, I think, in, like, top eight. Uh, so it's still a fine deck. It's just, do you think that deck can beat something like um, Eximon? Uh, I don't know. I really don't think so. But... Like, it... it, it it, it really suffers weird... from source removal because armor decks, you know, traditionally you only have like one or two sources. So if you're stripping sources, you're losing the ability to armor purge. Um, It isn't nearly as aggressive as it used to be. I think it really did just kind of take advantage of cross hearts a little bit. I think that it, was kind it of was... The, the niche that it had occupied for that small time frame. Yeah, I think it's also sitting in that like same position that uh, Minerva Loop was sitting in, where it's just like it has a really good uh, yeah, Rip cross arts matchup. I I know yeah. we haven't necessarily mentioned it, but Rip Minerva Loop, like that deck, actually just farmed cross hearts and was just it, it's not good enough in the other matchups. As someone who was playing it, and I mean I'm by no means an expert. I I wasn't playing it that long, but um, it it just occupied a very unique opportunity where it could farm cross hearts and it had a very strong cross hearts matchup um i mean obviously not if they see their god pieces but it it did its thing decidedly and without that the deck just doesn't really have legs because like we're in a format where go wide like go wide decks for the most part are more prevalent and even against metal garumon it's just like okay like I raise and kill you, and you didn't have good enough options in your security to, like, stop anything I mm -hmm. was doing. Congratulations. It was a deck that was kind of shielded by the umbrella that was the threat of everybody running Death X to counter Cross Hearts. So now that everyone isn't just passively teching in two copies of Death X just because they can, 
means that they are now the decks that would have been punished by those other decks that were countering cross hearts now no longer are countered and therefore are allowed to exist and now can beat Minerva Loop, if I explain that well at all. But it's just one of those decks that wasn't actually really hurt in any way. The restriction of Call from Darkness just doesn't really matter for the deck. You really only ran one anyway, but the real loss is something bigger to beat up on. Right, because like you said, it was just there to farm cross hearts. Like, I don't necessarily think its other matchups are like overwhelmingly positive to where you're like, okay, as long as I see majority of cross hearts, I should be okay versus, oh, I struggle against this, 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 and this. Maybe this isn't the best choice to take. Mm. Even though it's still like a solid deck, it's just it has more negatives without cross hearts than positives now. Mm. I know you did mention uh, Machine German before I changed the subject with my own rambling, but... Um, yeah, my pet project. I always like Machine German. It looks okay, which is honestly the best, the most it has looked in a long time. Um, keeps uh, getting support. It, it, just, it just keeps, keeps getting support. It just refuses to die. Um, It'll eventually get there. I promise. I mean, well, I mean, spoiler alert, uh, like, because... Wait, like we usually use future data and past data and kind of combine it to form our perception of the moment and chaos german slash machine german is a tier 1.5 deck in bt11 in japan it's i think the sixth fifth or sixth best deck um obviously it gets more support in bt11 because it refuses to die but um i think people it's more who support in bt12 as well people who want to play it oh that's true people who want to play it in bt11 or people that i get because i i mean if you've been playing it since ex1 i'm sorry but uh if you were someone like myself where i i have the deck sitting there since ex1 i haven't played it since ex1 um i think I've, i slapped some cards into it in bt7 when it got chaos german but i never played it and now it's seeing support for ex3 bt11 bt12 Someone could reasonably pick the deck up now and just continue forward with it, making small changes as we go, which is ultimately my goal of a, a deck in a card game, is that you don't have to completely change decks every format. Um, and so the people might actually start that with EX3 with Machine German, only because it's not... I don't really think it's that many, missing that many pieces, though the pieces it's missing are fairly impactful, unfortunately. Yeah, but, like, it still just has a wide toolbox of things that you could do. I think, like, looking at uh, some of the Japanese lists, they actually started foregoing, like, this insanely super heavy, um, luck-factored, uh, like, level 5 package. And they started trimming down, and they actually do have an evolution line because you can use the new Chaos Dramon, uh with his on-play slash when digivolving ability to basically get full value out of the card. Uh, and then you still have, like, obviously, Machine German um, that you could use. And then you get, like, these really weird fringe plays that I kind of, like, was seeing with uh, Kina uh, and the Link Dragons. Mm -hmm. Where it's just like, oh, Ragnar Lordmon is actually just hardcore playable. Like, I Rag could Ragnar Lord's just... best decks never include the traditional Ragnar Lord cards. It's just decks happen to include Ragnar Lord. Yeah, because uh, similar to how uh, the Link Dragons uses Dorbikmon to just shove a whole bunch of cards underneath their one Digimon to create a second stack out of nowhere, 
uh, Machine Dramon can do the exact same thing now. Yeah. So that at least exists. The uh, like the sub variant of Machine Dramon that uses Flame Dramon or um, not Flame Dramon. That's the Hina Dragon's version. The yeah. There's a the starter deck has one of the inheritables as Duramon. Yeah, Duramon has the inheritable of like end of turn Jogress. So, I mean, you don't need to do that in the deck. You're just sitting on a basically super hard to kill level six and then spawning another one is just still good. Mm. Yeah, this Chaosramon's a significant upgrade from the other one, even though the other one added a decent amount of protection for the deck. I, I mean, my biggest problem looking at this is that. It just doesn't stop the things that the Machine Germon stopped. So um, it, it kind of like trades weaknesses. Though I guess without, like, it's just doubly weak to security control, unfortunately. Because, I mean, that's the thing that I usually try to avoid in decks is that, if anything, like, I mean, in BT6, I think I was just so done with the format. I played a deck that only beat security control. I lost everything else. I just wanted to beat security control. As long as I could convert one person to, conv to like to stop playing the deck, I would have been happy. But um, everyone's goal <laughs> just stop playing security control, please. Um, but yeah, Castramon unfortunately can be DP reduced and can be returned to security via chaos degradation. So his protection has a very glaring weakness. I mean, but that's. Uh, you can't be completely protected against everything. If Alphamon taught us anything, it's just that is too much. Well, yeah, but he got his protections from multiple sources. At least, I mean, I guess I, I would mean, be. You do have. You, you could just run Congo. Like yeah, you could still just run Congo. You could still run, um, uh, God, Breath of the Gods. Uh, and then, like, they did get some, like, more support to try to shore up certain other I weaknesses. I don't think Breath so, of the like, Gods... The new I guess Cyber Breath of the Gods helps with the DP reduction, huh? Yeah, and the new Cyber Dramon just adds DP to them during all turns, which is just far better than just shoving in, this gains 2,000 during your turn, this mm -hmm. gains 2,000 during the opponent's turn. So, like, they're getting the abilities condensed, which ultimately helps the deck out. Yeah. Getting better. Um... Did they get... I think they got something in B... I mean, they didn't get... It wasn't BT-10, but I know a notable improvement for the deck that um, has just kind of been sitting in the waiting room, I guess, waiting for now when they actually got good cards again, um, was the fact that uh, Machine Germont can use the BT-8 Metal Greymon, one of the better level 5s that have been printed in this game wholesale. And now that the deck actually digivolves... It can use the one digivolving of Metal Greymon. Top of the fact that you just have the EX1 cards to just help you set up when you're digging for your level 6s. So, Machine Dramon definitely playable. I, I don't think it's the most competitive, but if I saw one, I wouldn't at least assume it's a free win, unlike if I saw Holy Dragons. <laughs> the, uh, that deck, I swear. There are just so many things you could do, and that deck decides to do none of them. Um... Yeah, we're we're kind of moving down the power scale as far as like we're we're talking about like decks I may see at some point. Um uh Gallatmon exists. Yeah, I think that the new um the the new War Growlmon is easily the best part of the new Gallatmon tools. Just being able to set up either your Tamer or a Gilmon is like absolutely insane. 
because you have a lot of good on play Gilmons. You have the on delete Gilmon uh, that came in the set. Uh, on top of the fact that uh, you have the Warp Gilmon, so if you already had the Takato just sitting on the field, you could just be like, okay, here's the Warp Gilmon, and here's the second Gilmon. Uh, have fun. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, if, if anyone recalls my previous rant of, like, why OTK format was bad, specifically for certain decks, not that I hated it entirely, but, um, Gallantmon is a deck that occupies a very specific niche of it, it is it is the red board control deck, and people at least now have boards. Melga X doesn't, unfortunately, so you still kind of lose there. But these other every other deck we've mentioned, for the most part, has a board of some kind that Gallatmon can take advantage of. So um, there's at least hope in that. I mean, I, I still do struggle to find a deck that I would be confident in taking, and if knowing that I would have a positive win ratio versus Melga over the whole length of the tournament that wasn't just Melga itself. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm almost tempted to still just continue to be on Melga. Well, I mean, if you're uh, if, if you're already playing Melga, I guess is like my my shout out to the the audience, um, and you specifically because it just happens to apply to you too. Um, if you're playing Melga and BT9 and you're already familiar with the deck, there's no reason not to switch or not there's no reason yeah no reason to switch because. The deck is fantastic. It it was going to get hit pretty hard by the changes with BT10, with the addition of Cross Arts and stuff such like that. But without those cards, without those decks, there's no reason to not to stop playing it because all the decks that it was supposed to be bad into are gone or worse. So, you know, keep doing what you're doing because there really aren't any decks that challenge that level of speed, assuming you see your pieces as quickly as you usually do. Right, and that's like the dynamic of this format, where it's just like, okay, the only thing that can really challenge the speed is speed itself, and the only other deck that can do that is, like, possibly Grandis. Uh, either that or just find ways to slow the deck down, which, again, you need to be fast enough to do those setups. So, like, it, it really does warp a lot of the format around Melga X, at least in our perception, because, like, what actually is there that is in the game that can deal with this fast enough to where it's actually impactful and it matters. Mm -hmm. Um, I know my recommendation, at least, because I, I still refuse to play aggro decks. I don't like them. It's not my style. I, I don't have any problem with them as a concept, because um, aggro must exist to keep decks like security control from being the only things that people play. But um, I just run a slightly heavier option suite as far as like save my ass cards um you know stuff like ultimate flare mega death uh i guess even sorai would count in that matchup specifically um the one of sunrise you buster have, you have kakaitis breath too kakaitis i mean yeah just just large because we, we keep talking about speed and how quick like oh you don't have time for this you don't have time for that and if all of a sudden you do a lot of these matchups become significantly more winnable not necessarily like it we don't we don't operate in a, a grandis environment where grandis swings you know three checks at 17k uh you know chaos degradation well i lose the game now like we don't we don't they don't exist in that world because they can rebuild they do have efficiency in their evolutions. They do draw a bunch of cards just from 
digivolving so frequently, and they do have searching capabilities. But if something like an Examon has the ability to set up and establish a board, and then Melga has to come and check into it, um, there's at yeah, least then a, they have a shot. Struggle. They at least have a shot. You know, usually at that point, you know, hopefully the Melga has done enough damage where they're just kind of trying to find the killing blow. They don't need to get rid of the Examon entirely as long as they can get around it in some capacity. Oh, but um, that's still so scary. That's what made, like, the Gaiomon matchup actually, like, kind of a nightmare. Yeah. Even though you win that, probably uh, 45-50, or 45-55 in mm -hmm. Melga's favor, it's just the fact that once they get into that Mega and you can't get rid of it, it's like, holy crap, what do yeah. I do? I wasn't able to close out the game, and now I just kind of lose mm -hmm. because I just aren't able to do anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, big, big Blocker does stop Melga, but... It's the, can you get big blocker faster than they can get small attack boy? Uh, I mean, that's <laughs> literally the strength of Melga and why yeah. it's so good, is the fact that I you're mean, just that's, moving that's the strength of one stage in general. Yeah, <laughs> you're just moving one stage faster than what the opponent is usually anticipating. It's like, oh, I'm waiting to go up into my level 6. Well, against Melga, you... I'm waiting to get up into my level 5. I mean, if Significantly there's... easier, significantly faster. If there's anything to be said about this format... Um, it's that with these changes moving forward, we have no fucking clue what anyone is going to play or what's actually going to end up being good. Um, because all it would take would be something like that yellow hybrids list to, um, have a stronger, you know, more defined list and be played more or, um, like Bloom Hydra to see a larger play and maybe some optimization in their play patterns and as soon as some decks start to check melga to the point where they just they don't feel like outwardly super confident and i can just you know straight up digivolve and swing and then if i lose it i don't care i'll rebuild as soon as they're potentially you know in that aggro position of if i lose this stack i probably lose the game then the whole format just becomes a free-for-all of, of what's actually the best deck of any given week, um, depending on who sees what and when. And it's really just kind of a a mess as far as trying to figure out, um, like, just trying to predict what, what decks I'm actually going to play against on uh, Saturday, because I, I really have no clue. Yeah, and then it's there's a good place to also... be, though. <laughs> yeah. And then there's still also the decks that we didn't even touch on, like Mastimon and Ophanimon, where it's just yeah. like, oh, the use of Venusmon could have a significant impact, again, depending on the matchup and the situation. So, like, there's this, this is the form, like, this is the type of stuff that I like seeing, where it's just like, there is just a lot of different playable decks. And in a meta where it's, like, not actually solved, it, we have to figure that stuff out on our own, and only time will tell to see what actually is going to make the cut and be more meta relevant i know we we, we kind of like rag on them like from a data collection slash competitive standpoint a little bit as far as like oh japan you know they're so they think they're so smart they had you know bloom hydra the best deck of ex3 but only for like two weeks and then cross arts came back and just you know beat the snot out of them but um we've really never had to walk into a format and just create a meta. We've always had some structure to deal with, regardless of how relevant it was. 
And this is not the first time we've ever had to do that. BT7, we had an altered meta. We've had altered meta based upon access to promos and whatnot in starter decks. But this is the first time where we really got the, you know, hive shaken. And we still do not know where things lie. And that's part of the fun of it. Like, not saying not using Japanese data to kind of get like a, a little picture, a snippet of what's to come isn't bad. It's just mm. we're we have three months of this and we have Yeah, this is the rest of the lot format. Of, this is BT ten plus. Like it's yeah, this until now. So we, we have a lot of time with this format and there's just a lot to explore and unpack with it. And mm. that's that's the fun part. Yeah, the best part is all of the matchups that I'm currently very unsure of, I probably will have plenty of experience in over the course of the three months of playing the format. Even with the holidays thrown in to, you know, lessen the likelihood that I actually play the game. But, you know, that's always going to be a thing. I mean, yeah. Um, I think that kind of is, is a rough overview of what we were kind of dealing with. Um... We have more ideas like this planned, uh, probably with more structure once we have some more experience. Uh, we just really didn't want to do a deep dive on anything that we ourselves would actually be comfortable deep diving because we just it just started. <laughs> like we got we got three months to to learn these decks. Why why bother spending the time now to, you know, at least establish a, a front that we wholly understand something when, in all honesty, nobody does. Yep. Uh, I'm probably so. What are what are you most excited to be playing, and what are you actually gonna attempt to play in this type of a format? Not saying what deck are you gonna bring, but yeah. like, what are you looking forward to? Most excited to play? I think there's a lot of room, um, to explore decks that were previously completely written off by Japan or be built in different ways. I think there's a lot of room to work with Hina Dragons. I think there's a lot of room to work with something yellow. <laughs> like, I, it just there. There's no yellow deck right now, so there's got to be a good yellow deck. Um, the the you can't be the second most competitive color from a large aggregate standpoint, and then just all of a sudden have zero decks to play for three formats straight. So, um, I I'm most excited to play the decks that, like, basically we didn't talk about only because they weren't relevant, but now they might be. feel that. I'm probably going to be doing my usual YouTuber thing, experiment and explore with a lot of different decks. I already was experimenting with Hina Dragons. I am going to be trying my hand at Machine Dramon eventually, uh, probably some Command Dramon just because I'm an aggro player. Um, so I already know what deck I'm going to be probably taking to the next couple of events until Nationals. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, it just depends on what I feel in terms of what I'm actually going to take. But I'm just going to do the best that I can to explore with what we got, like you said. I'm actually, I really hope somebody tops something. Uh, sooner or later, it doesn't necessarily matter because these aren't like Nationals qualifying events. But... Um, I want somebody to show up with the Imperial German list, and then when they do their deck video, they just say, "Well, I just saw my pieces. That's how you peel. you just if you see all your pieces, it's a great deck. Just just see them." Oh my god, that deck is so like <laughs> I I love the deck in concept, but just the setup. It's the, hilarious. The setup is just so hard. But okay, um, that's this week's episode. 
uh, definitely leave a comment if you guys have any questions for potentially next week. And uh, if so, we'll be back. Um, actually, just are we going to have a episode go up on Thanksgiving or are we going to upload maybe earlier next week? Uh, I don't know. We didn't really talk about that. Okay. Uh, so it might not necessarily be when on Thanksgiving, but there will still be an episode next week. So, goodbye. Later.